Thanks for joining the Life Better Podcast, a podcast dedicated to looking at the reality that life is so much better with God, community, and purpose. Jonathan Gleason here, Josh Doolin, hey. as always. And as we get started, I would love for you to maybe go back in time with me a little bit. Okay. Those who are listening, watching, you guys can do this as well. Um, think for a moment when you were in school, school had just finished, maybe okay. your late elementary, middle school, early high school, mm -hmm. still getting picked up by your folks. Mm -hmm. For those of you who were driving the bus, this may not apply to you as well, but uh, you got your backpack on. Yeah. You're waiting in the line, your, your you know, parent or guardian shows up, you pile in, there's those quick you know, pleasantries of, hey, how was yeah, your day, yeah. those things. Yeah. And you drive off, and you're maybe hoping that the question won't be asked, but you're pretty sure the question will be asked because it always seems to get asked. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, maybe less than a minute into the drive, the question is posed. So, Josh, what did you learn today what in did school? You learn today? Now, did you enjoy that question? No, never. Why didn't you like that question? Because uh, then it made me actually not be in this like vegetative state <laughs> in the car of just, I don't want to not talk about anything. It's been, it's been a long day at school. Yeah. I don't want to think about this. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. For me, I hated the question too. Uh, my reasoning was maybe a little differently, uh, different than yours. <laughs> my reason was I just never really had a good answer for it. Mm. And I felt like I needed to have a good answer because I had one job like all day long. <laughs> my job was to learn something to learn, at yeah. school. And yeah. if I couldn't come up with something, it was like, mm -hmm. dude, I'm, I'm, I'm failing here. Mm. All I could think of is, okay, well, in math, let's see, we did. We did some fractions, but I didn't really learn anything because we did fractions yesterday. And oh, in English, we took like a grammar, a spelling test, and based on like my score, I clearly didn't learn anything. <laughs> so like there was always this panic of like I don't know what I learned, right? Mm. Okay, so the reason we bring this up is because this podcast we're going to be talking about what we've learned. Uh, we're actually going to be discussing things that we feel like God is teaching us yeah. or reteaching us, uh, the helpful things that will hopefully allow you to navigate your relationship with God as you grow closer to Him, also as you connect deeper in community and Absolutely. obviously live that purpose that God has intended you to live out. So as we oftentimes do, we're going to start off with some silly things and then we'll get to hopefully the, the more helpful, who knows, well, <laughs> maybe even the silly things will be helpful yeah, at some point. I bet they will for yeah. somebody. Yeah. So I'm going to go first. Uh, one of the things that I am learning or I've learned recently is that roller coasters were actually invented so that people would not sin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ridiculous, right? Super okay. weird. Now, are you familiar with the story I, behind this? Only because of you. And I think it's because of uh, like either a small group we were in or a, like a sermon you, you had said. But I remember this specifically because of you. So there was a businessman who was looking at this is like, you know, 1880s here in the United States, and was looking at how people were finding entertainment through these really, you know, hedonistic practices, whether it was at the saloon or a brothel, and he's like, no, we can change this. And so he looked at the, you know, in his mind, the most wicked place that he could think of, <laughs> which was Coney Island, New York. And he's like, I'm going to change this place. And so he built a roller coaster. And as a nation, we have stopped sinning completely. So yeah, it worked. Yeah, roller coasters <laughs> completely solved my sin problem yeah, like in my, yeah. in my early childhood. You know, that, yeah, that's, I wonder, like, in his mind, as the success of the roller coaster took off, was he just concerned with, like, <laughs> the sinning going on? So he's like, but they're not working for the, with their purpose. As a businessman, I'm sure that was a little bit. And then, like, <laughs> hey, is this still profitable for me? <laughs> let's, let's, let's get the bottom line here. All right. So the first thing uh, that I've learned recently uh, is actually more applicable to even just our church building. Hmm. Um, even last week, we had this really ridiculous problem where uh, uh, crows just kept showing up. I learned that aluminum foil scares off crows and birds. I had no idea that, because Tina came up with this crazy idea of putting out aluminum foil pans, and I was like, what kind of like 
old farmer's <laughs> wives' tale thing are you yeah. throwing out there? But no, they have not shown back. And I've looked up some of the science on it. I've tried to figure it out, but it's like has to do with the the noise it makes that when the wind blows it and the, like the light. And the light. Yeah. Um, and it just scares them off. Yeah, that's a that's a common bird scare tactic that you'll even use. You know, like you said, like farmers will use. Yeah. We we used to uh, cut up. Um, not tinfoil, but uh, those heating blankets mm -hmm. that have the you know the, the shimmer, and I think it has to do more with the shimmer than the noise. But maybe the noise has something to do with it too. Crows are really clever though, and they will they will get used to it if you mm. don't like move it around. Mm. But I don't know. We'll see if they yeah see if they come back. They've been hanging out in the front door. So whether or not that <laughs> means anything. So if you know. see trash just sort of laying around the church, it yeah. might be there for a purpose. It's actually. trying to get rid of birds or <laughs> some other nuisance. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'm also learning. Okay. So this one's just, I, I love uh, like the biological side of learning. Mm. And I learned that sloths can actually, sloths can actually hold their breath longer than dolphins. Ridiculous. So dolphins clearly have to hold their breath. They're underwater mm -hmm. much of the time. But sloths can uh, actually somehow decrease their heart rate to the point where they can hold their breath for 40 minutes. 40 minutes. Whereas dolphins have to resurface like every 10 minutes. Holy so. cow. Okay. Are, are they in situations where that, that's necessary? or? The, yeah, you know what? I think they do a lot of their grazing underwater. <laughs> and so they're just like, all right. We're, no. I'm just trying to think. Like, it's all about that lower metabolism. Um, hmm. That's just their whole function. Very low Man. metabolism. To be a sloth, right? Like, <laughs> it's so cool. Until, until the sloth parent says, hey, what'd you learn in sloth school today? And you're like, no, mom, I don't want to think about that. Yeah. All right. The next thing I learned uh, recently, which is way more ridiculous. I don't know if this is a, would ever come in handy for any of you, uh, but I learned that you can calculate the duck power of your car. That, <laughs> As opposed to the horsepower? Yes. Somebody has found out, uh, and it's through this complicated uh, math slash science uh, like law called Kleber's Law, which is based on the idea that um, uh, like if you look at the metabolic rate of animals, you can calculate uh, what it is based off of their mass. And so like if you take the, the mass of both and then divide by some number, like you can find out the metabolic rate, like how, how, how quick they can burn energy. Uh, and so if you take the horse and the duck and people have been applying it uh, okay. and you can find it's a, it's a rate of one horsepower to 131.2 duck power. <laughs> so I learned that my Toyota Highlander uh, actually, it has uh, 26,240 duck powder pow power. So, Dude, you're gonna yeah. need, to, need to do some drag racing. <laughs> that sounds fast. But yeah, no, uh, I, I, if you want to impress your friends <laughs> with telling them the duck power of your car, and you like slap the hood and you're like, this, this, yeah. this has the power of this many ducks, like you can, you can do that. So. If I thought that was gonna impress my friends, maybe, <laughs> maybe I would do that. Yeah. All right, uh, last silly one for me. Um, this one. <laughs> this one, I, I'm sure some of you will just be like, wait, really? And you'll try it. So I encourage you to try it. You cannot properly hum a song oh my gosh. with your nose plugged. I'm, I tried this immediately after yeah. I read that. So again, I want to emphasize like properly hum. Mm -hmm. So humming is typically done with your mouth closed. So I'm just mm -hmm. going to hum happy birthday, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. As soon as I plug my nose up. Mm -hmm, right? You can't mm -hmm, breathe, mm -hmm. and so you can't hum. Now, there's mm -hmm. probably some weird like mouth breathing humming that you can do. But I'm talking about like proper song. It's kind of fun. Give it a try. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, it's extremely odd, and I didn't think about it, but like if you just hold your finger right here while you hum, you get a lot of air coming through your nose, yeah. and somehow like, I mean, that, I guess making sound uh, is the practice Part of, of letting out. Right? Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, so uh, if you have nowhere to let out air, then you can't make <laughs> the proper noises. It's very odd. Um, anyway, uh, my last one 
is, and I have like five written down, so I, I want to pick the best one for last. Okay, I, this one, this one's interesting to me. Um, and I, I, obviously, theories can get disproven and all of this stuff, but like I like the idea of this theory. Okay, and, it, and it's even something that maybe uh, maybe a future podcast can be de dedicated to. <laughs> uh, but the idea is the uh, uh, Have you heard of the shopping cart theory? I don't think so. No, no I, I think you're gonna like this. Okay. So the idea is that a shopping cart uh, and whether or not a person will put it back okay. after they're done using it is, is the uh, easiest and most effective way at deciding whether a person is um, self-governing, okay. like the ability to be self-governing, yeah. because uh, it's easy to do. There's no reason why you can't do it. Sure. Uh, it is objectively right to put it away. Right, clean up uh, yourself. There yeah. is no law in place that says that you can't, or you like if you don't do it, you're not going to get murdered. You're not going to get thrown in jail. Right. There's no punishment. Uh, yes. So that being said, if you are the type of person that always puts it away, you're the type of person that knows I should do the right thing regardless of whether or not right. I uh, like get in trouble. Or if you're the type of person who doesn't, this uh, this article I was reading and the, sure. the person who like came up with this and everybody's like going crazy about it, they said that you're no better than an animal because you just <laughs> react and do things based off of whether or not you actually will get in trouble. Uh, like, and, and yeah, so the idea of being self-governing can easily be uh, identified by the shopping cart. I like it. I like it. I, I, I like the premise. I like the example. That's really good. Unless unless you shop at Aldi <laughs> and you just you want, want your quarterback. quarterback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that will be the motivator. I got have my 25 cents, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, which mm -hmm. will motivate me every single time. Yeah, not get my 25 cents. I, I only go back for that because of needing a quarter for the next time I'm going to Aldi. Because I never have a quarter when I need it. Josh only has one quarter that he owns. We do. Owns. In both of our cars, there's a specific part. It's an Aldi quarter. We, it's our Aldi quarter. That's hilarious. That's yeah. hilarious. Okay. Well, now to some maybe more helpful <laughs> content. Some things that we're learning. So what I'm going to share. It's not something that I'm learning. It's probably one of those things that I'm relearning. Mm. And I'm relearning it because of one of my sons. So a few weeks ago, one of my sons was just having one of those days where he just, he just didn't want to have a good attitude. There were some, honestly, there were some expectations that were uh, weighing heavy on him. Mm -hmm. There was some responsibilities that he just did not want to, you know, accomplish. And oh, so, wait. right, he was just feeling it. <laughs> he was just feeling the, like, I don't want to do this, right? And, uh, and so he was just having a real sour attitude. Mm. And so Dana was, you know, trying to walk him through that. And it was, he was, she, he, she was taking a lot of effort and energy into doing this. Finally gives me a call. I was like, well, all right, well, I'll chat with him this mm. evening. So I take him out and I engage with him in an exercise that I'm going to engage with you. Okay. Now I'm going to treat you kind of the, the same fashion. I'm not going to ask you all the same questions mm -hmm. because that'll be weird. Um, <laughs> but just imagine, you know, I'm sitting across uh, from, you know, I'm actually at a picnic bench uh, across from my son and I hand him these papers and I have him read it and we just discuss these things. Okay. So I'm going to go ahead and hand you this paper All right. Sweet. and he can read it and then we'll discuss it. Sweet. Okay. So number one says, our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts what we think shapes who we are. Okay, so the question that I had after that was, okay, what does that mean? So I'm gonna go ahead and put you on the spot okay. and say, what do you think that means? Um, I, I think it means that what I, what, where my heart is, like everything else will follow. Like I'm gonna chase after yeah. what my heart wants, so. Yeah, and so he said something similar to that and then we went a little bit deeper and I explained, okay, imagine, and I was like, this is not gonna happen, but imagine that this happens. Imagine that today I decide not to come home and instead I ditch you, your brothers, your mom, and I never come back. Mm. I'm, I'm not gonna do that, mm -hmm. but imagine that I do that. There have been parents that have done that, so mm -hmm. imagine that I do that. And then I, I just asked him, I was like, okay, so 
what were some of the thoughts that must have dominated my mind for the last several days, weeks, months, maybe even years to get me to the point that I make that drastic, really awful decision? Mm. And so he processed it and he was like, well, maybe you're just tired of always having the responsibility to take care of the family and it might mm. be easier to live life away from us or you know, something to that effect. I was like, yeah, absolutely. I would have to have had those thoughts or similar thoughts for a long, long time mm. to move me in that direction. Mm -hmm. And then I spun it in a, a more positive direction. I was like, okay, now imagine that I spent all day long down at the local community college, BCTC, uh, sharing the gospel with students, sharing my testimony and my faith with students. Did that all day long. What do you think the days, weeks, months leading up to that experience, what, what do you think would have needed to be some of the thoughts that I had in my mm. head to move me in that direction? Yeah. And he was like, well, you probably were concerned about you know, people's salvation. Uh, you knew and thought about the calling that Jesus has in our hearts to go and make disciples. You know, he shared some of those things. I was like, yeah, absolutely. And then I spun it around on him, and I'm not going to make you answer this question, but I said, okay, so what are some of the most dominant thoughts that you've been having today, mm. and how have they been shaping the choices that you've made today? Mm. And so we thought, and he was really open and honest, like, oh, yeah, I know, I think I know where Dad's going with this. Yep. <laughs> these, these are some of the thoughts that I've been having. And then, after that, I gave him paper number two. Sweet. This says, we have an enemy who wants to kill, steal, and destroy. I just said that with the most country accent ever. <laughs> he does this by targeting our thinking. Mm. All right. I am going to ask you some questions here. So the first question was, and I asked my son this, okay, who's our enemy? Uh, <clears throat> Satan. Satan is our enemy. And then I followed that question up by saying, what do you think his most common weapon is to try to win that battle in our mind? And I was like, Psst. He's called the father of lies. Mm. So what do you think his most common weapon is? Lying. Lying, yeah. He, he wants to speak lies into mm. our heart and our mind yeah. to get us to believe a lie and then to act on that lie. And then handed him this paper. Identify some of the lies you've been hearing and believing. All right, so again, I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to have you sit down, but I gave him a piece of paper. And I was like, hey, just write some of the, go ahead and put a little title here that says lies and uh, give some space on the other side and just write some of the lies that you think you've probably been believing and maybe even rehearsing in your mind and allowing it to go in a lot of weird directions. Mm -hmm. And so he, he was honest and he wrote some of those things down. So like, oh, okay, appreciate it. All right, and then I gave him this paper. Replace them with God's truth. Okay, so at this point, we did a deeper dive into Jesus' temptation. Mm -hmm. And we looked at the strategy that Satan used and the strategy that Jesus used. And the strategy that Jesus used every single time was whenever there was a temptation, yeah. he responded to that temptation by doing what? Uh, quoting scripture. Quoting scripture. I mean, it was all about making sure that truth was what was leading him. Yeah. And so I said, okay, this is what we're going to do. You've got a list here of some things that maybe you've been believing or trying to believe. And at the same time, what do you know is absolutely true? You may mm -hmm. feel this way, but what do you know to be true in scripture? And so I'm not going to share exactly what he wrote, confidentiality and whatnot, but I'll give a common example of what this might look like. So maybe work has been difficult. And so the common or the dominant thought that you've been having is, well, work is miserable. Satan would love to step in and just heap all kinds of lies on top of that dominant thought. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, work is miserable. And the reason why it's so miserable is because you have miserable coworkers who don't appreciate you and they don't uh, put in the effort that you do. And your boss totally takes you for granted and takes advantage of you. And you know what you need to do. You need to march in there tomorrow, punch your boss in the face, and that would be <laughs> sweet, sweet justice, right? You know, and, and you can entertain those thoughts. Mm -hmm. And you, you, you start heading down that road and you head to some dark places. And so 
again, understand what the lie is, but then also understand, okay, if that's not true, what is true? And you can find that truth in scripture. I mean, we've got verses that talk about how we need to work and we need to work as though we're doing it for the Lord with all of our hearts, not for men, but actually for God. There's verses where God says, okay, you actually have a mission here. Go and make disciples. That involves even at work. And so maybe one of the things that you would do is, okay, what am I feeling? What's the lie that I keep having a dominant thought with? Okay, work is miserable. Miserable. What is God saying? No, work is your mission field. Mm. So work isn't miserable. No, it's my mission field. There may be times where you feel miserable at work, but it's still your mission field. And that should start to change the direction that you start heading at work. All right. Last one. I handed him. Man. <laughs> Write it. Think it, confess it until you believe it. All right. This was my challenge to him, and this is definitely my challenge to all of you. I would encourage you to practice this exercise anytime mm. you find yourself heading down a path that you know is not healthy, you know it's destructive, but you just don't seem to find, can't seem to find a way out. There's probably some lies that you have been believing, and you need to capture those thoughts, and you need to make those obedient to Christ and his truth. And so how do you do that? Well, I would do that simple exercise. Write it. And then once you have that written, the truth, what do you need to do? You need to think about it. You yeah. need to dwell on the truth. And you need to confess it. And you might mean confessing it to God in prayer. Like, this is the truth. I'm confessing it to God. I'm confessing it to my friends. Hey, you know what? I've been believing a lie that work is miserable. It's my mission field. Hold me accountable to that. Mm. Confess it. And you keep believing it. Or sorry, you keep doing this until you actually believe it. Yeah. And you start heading in a different direction. I like that a lot. Uh, it reminds me, actually, of something we've been doing with students. And uh, we read it recently. It's the... I think it's in Luke 6, uh, the passage about uh, Jesus saying, if you apply what I've taught you, uh, it's like building a house on the rock sure. versus building a house on the sand. Yeah. And I love the idea there because he, he, he says that one, when the waves come, like it will knock them down, the other will stand firm. Mm -hmm. And so like this idea, like if, if you start believe, like if you establish yourself as I'm going to believe the truth, I'm going to stand on the truth, yeah. like when those doubts come, you're going to be able to like stand firm and not be knocked over. And like, that's it's huge. Good. Mm -hmm. it's good. All right, Josh, what are you learning? All right. So, uh, mine goes right along with, uh, it, it's funny cause part of the reason why we're doing this is cause Jonathan and I had a conversation about, uh, how we often, uh, teach and get excited about the things that God is personally teaching us. Um, and so one of the things that I've been asking God to teach me a bunch is more and more on the purpose statement that we have established with the youth group, which is um, uh, the first one we've already gone through, which uh, if you watched my sermon online recently, it's very long, but it's all about experiencing godly, healthy community. The second one is the one that we've been going through uh, right now. We're doing a series on, uh, which is that we want to connect with God uh, intentionally and personally. Yeah. And I've just been asking like, okay, I know that I have a relationship with you, God, but how do I teach people to have that? What does it mean to really know you? And what does it mean to um, personally uh, be with you and, and to walk with you? And, and he's been sharing a lot of stuff that has not only uh, taught me that, but also uh, has taught me some new stuff about it too, which has made me uh, have a deeper connection with him, which has been good. Um, but the first thing that I've, I've learned and the one that I want to talk about is that uh, I've noticed that uh, real transformation, like it, when when I look different, um, when Jesus comes into my heart, it's uh, that language I think needs to be clarified a bit, and that it's that real transformation comes from an intimate knowing of Jesus. Mm. Um, and and what I mean by that is that uh, we can know God, uh, and we can know a lot about God, and we can come to church and we can learn a lot about God and who He is and who He how He affects us. But until I know how He affects me specifically. Sometimes it, our relationship with him is very 
uh, human-oriented, like like uh, human being-oriented rather than me-oriented. Mm. Uh, and I'll, I'll get into that in a second. Uh, but to help explain this, I think Peter is a really good example. So I have a question for you, yep. Jonathan. Uh, thinking over Peter's life, uh, how was he before his encounter with Jesus? Yeah. And, and then we'll get into how he was after his encounter with Jesus. So how, how was he before? Uh, Peter was oftentimes a wild card okay. who would be brash and maybe, you know, miss the mark with, you know, whatever he's feeling in the moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, after his encounter with Jesus, I, he was certainly bold. And I mm. think that was built, you know, that character building was, yeah. was built on, uh, you know, where he was at, but matured. Um, I think he was someone who had tremendous faith and he acted in obedience to that faith when when God called him to whatever, Absolutely. you know, God called him to. And we see like an occupation change there too. Oh, I hadn't but, even gone there. No, you're, you're good. It, but yeah. like uh, Jesus uses him to build his church. And at the same time, like before he was, I mean, he was a fisherman, but at the, like, you're absolutely right. We can see how some of the, like, maybe, maybe negatives, Jesus turns into positives a bit. Um, but he was a Jew as well. So like he would have had some knowledge of God as well. Mm-hmm. Um but this obviously hadn't transformed his life yet. His encounter with Jesus did. Um, and I've been reading a book, and I finally finished it, which is like huge for me. I never finish books. I tend to get like halfway through them, and then I jump to something new. Uh, but this book is called The Gift of Being Yourself. Audible helps tremendously with That's finishing cool. books. That should have been one of my like five like fun I've things I've learned that I've Audible is awesome. Is that what it is? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, sponsored by Audible today. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I wish. Uh, but uh, what this book teaches... Uh, taught me a lot about um, how knowing God and knowing who I am can also off, often uh, coincide with with uh, with each other. So the more I know about God, the more I learn about who I am. Mm-hmm. The more I learn about who I am, the more I learn about God. Yeah. Um, and Peter can can be often like we are in the church, which is uh, at, at least before he knew uh, Jesus, which is. We know a lot about who he is, and even even in his early encounters with Jesus, like Jesus would tell him stuff, and obviously it was starting to sink in. Like this is the the Son of God that he might have even heard about. Like oh, there's the coming like King to to rescue us type of thing. Uh, but unfortunately, a lot of the Jewish people thought, oh, Jesus is going to be this conqueror, mm-hmm. and so like some people apply that to why he might have reacted the way he did when Jesus was getting arrested. He chopped a guy's ear off. He's like, this is what Jesus would want me to do. Right. Even before that, when Jesus was like, you're going to deny me three times, what did he do? He said, I'm, I would never do that. I'm not right. going to ever leave your side. Um, and this comes from Peter not really knowing who he was. Mm. Peter, Peter knowing that this is how God would want me to be mm. and having a skewed view of who God is too. Right. Uh, not knowing who God is, not knowing who he was led to probably his most embarrassing um, part of the Bible for mm-hmm. him and his story of uh, chopping guy's ear off, Jesus getting really frustrated with him, being arrested, and then him denying who Jesus was three times and him having this horrible situation he was in where I assume he probably had a lot to think about that that evening. Um, and then Jesus obviously coming back and teaching him, like, I forgive you and, like, all this stuff. That encounter with Jesus, that intimate encounter with Jesus where he realizes who he is, which is exactly who Jesus said he was, um, and then also uh, having realizing who Jesus was, which was the person who died on the cross, said he was going to do that, came back, and then personally forgiving Peter Mm. uh, was just this intimate relationship uh, moment for him. Um, And a deeper thing that like struck me with with this is that Jesus comes back, but Peter goes back to his old job until Jesus goes straight to him 
and explains, I forgive you, like you still have your job. Um, and so there, one of the, one of the best quotes from the book that has hit me and it's something that I'm going to try to teach our students too, is, um, we often talk about in church that we have to crucify our sinful nature with Jesus. You know, like he took our sins. We need to give it to him. He's going to crucify himself with our sins to crucify one's sinful nature. One must first accept that it is their sinful nature, not just human sinful nature. And that the difference between God forgave us and God forgave me is is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes we, and I know this is for me, like really important. I know for for Peter, it was this was really really important. But coming to terms with the fact that I have things in my life that separate me from God completely, and that Jesus sees those and takes those specifically. Uh, and it, it, the book even goes into maybe instead of saying God forgave my sins or Jesus forgave my sins, naming those sins can help us have a deeper understanding of who we are and who he is. Mm-hmm. So instead of saying God forgave my sin, I might say God forgave my lust, God forgave my lying, God forgave my anger, God forgave my mm-hmm. slander. And and just naming it helps us identify that I am not perfect, that he took it, and, and, and all of that stuff, yeah. if that helps. And I, I think... Um, for those of you that are in a life group, which if you're not, you should absolutely join. Uh, one of the scriptures that we just read uh, recently was Luke 6. Uh, and at the end of Luke 6, uh, there's this beautiful picture of Jesus being at the house of a Pharisee who um, has invited him over for, for a meal. And this lady running in who uh, is a prostitute, lays at the feet of Jesus, is weeping, wipes his feet, uh, pours all, all of her perfume. And Jesus says uh, this, this, this crazy phrase, which is, uh, knowing the heart of the Pharisee, who's like, if he only knew who this woman was, yeah. uh, Jesus says, uh, if, um, like, uh, if, if a person uh, is forgiven uh, a debt of a small amount versus a person who's been forgiven a debt of a larger amount, Jesus is a lot more uh, better at saying this than I am. But he says, who, who's going to be more, um, more thankful yeah. uh, for that forgiveness? And he's like, I guess the person who would have been forgiven a larger debt. And um, then he explains like the difference between her and, and him. But I think that, that that concept is important because when we start naming the things that I know about myself, uh, which unfortunately we can be coached into this mindset of, I'm going to forget all the sins that, I, that I've done. Uh, I'm going to not even think about them. Like I'm going to throw them as far as the east is from the west like Jesus did. But in reality, those are my, that's my past. Sometimes it's even my present. And... Um, if I forget about them, I can sometimes forget about how great God's grace is. Yeah. And so knowing this is a part of me, mm-hmm. th- these thoughts are a part of me, these things are a part of me, but Jesus loves me anyway. Mm-hmm. He's forgiven me. He's given me a path out of them. But like They're still a part of my past and about who I am. Uh, helps us remember how much that debt is that God forgave us. And so we can become more thankful. I don't know. All of that uh, is, is a little bit of what I've been learning. I don't yeah. know if you want to add anything to that, but I, I'm sorry. I didn't have no, that cool, was good. That was uh, good. cool things like you did. Cool, cool piece of paper. <laughs> I, I, I pride myself on the coolest objects ever. I, I chose paper. I chose mm-hmm. paper. No, that was good. And I would just challenge any of you who are even trying to just process, hey, what is God you know, teaching and challenging mm-hmm. me with? He's always at work, and yeah. we need to partner with even the, the difficult task of, hey, God, what do I still need to learn, mm-hmm. and what do I need to apply to my life? 
And I would encourage you, if you've got someone in your life that you can speak some truth into, uh, even share, maybe just for a few moments, what are some of the things that God has been leading, uh, teaching you? I would, I would throw out one more challenge too, which is if you want something like what Jonathan and I just did, where we both shared the things that God has been teaching us, like absolutely either, if you're at our church, join a small group, uh, life group, where we do this every single week. Yeah. Uh, or if you're at another church somewhere, grab a group of people that you can do this with. So. And then move here mm-hmm. and join yeah. our <laughs> All right, well, until next time, don't forget that life is so much better with God, community, and purpose.